are listening to the American Truth Project Podcast. Welcome back to Because You Asked. I'm Bernie Nussbaum. Today we are continuing in part two of our two-part series on the changes American foreign policy is showing towards the Palestinian Authority. It's extraordinary. It's never happened before in American history. And joining me to talk about it is my partner at American Truth Project and our national director, Inaz Annie Cyrus. Thanks for joining me again, Annie. Always a pleasure, Barry. Okay, the floor is yours. We're talking about the Palestinian Authority and what President Trump has changed in regards to policy. And uh, you've got some more questions. Yes, I do. And that's the thing. After zero pushback on this terror by previous, all of previous American presidents, it is very good to finally have President Trump in the office who's making huge change of policy. Um, my very first question though is after the murder of, uh, the American soldier and a scholar, Taylor Force, um, came the Taylor Force Act, cutting off funding, um, until the support of terrorism from the regime and government of Palestine would stop. What is exactly the Taylor Force Act? Well, it's really an extraordinary um, legislation that grew out of a horrific day of terror in Israel a few years ago. Taylor Force was an American soldier who was uh, touring in Israel with a number of Americans. Uh, they were attacked on the street of Israel uh, by a terrorist uh, with a knife, um, Taylor Force uh, was stabbed and a number of other people were. Uh, it was fairly horrific. Uh, Taylor Force actually died in the attack. He was selected at random um, because he was an American. He, uh, his slaying was celebrated throughout the Palestinian territories. And because he was an American, uh, the United States Congress took notice and in their disgust, they created legislation that basically says until the pay for slave program of the Palestinian Authority that we talked about in part one uh, stops, U.S. funding on a number of programs to the Palestinian Authority is going to be cut off. It passed with overwhelming bipartisan support in the House and Senate. It was signed into law by President Trump. And finally, uh, the money is being choked off until the Palestinians um, come into the 21st century and stop the barbarism. Well, that is a great news. It gives me hope, but I tell you what, uh, being an ex-Muslim and raised by uh, Islamic uh, country in ruling, I'll tell you what, that's not going to happen. It, 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 you will stay 1,400 years ago. There's no coming to modern life. But my next question is, here. one thing that has always bothered me is uh, Jerusalem was the capital of Israel for over 3,000 years. But then um, Israelis came to where they were the only people who didn't have the right to pick their own capital, even though President Bill Clinton signed a bill that Jerusalem is going to be the capital of Israel, every president ignored it until now. And proudly, President Trump moved the capital of Israel to Jerusalem. Now, my question is, why did he do that? That's an interesting question, and, and your preface uh, was quite accurate historically, Annie. Uh, the Jewish people have celebrated Jerusalem for over 3,000 years. It was in the Bible as the capital of the 
um, nation state of Israel, and it's been there ever since. Uh, it is the longest continuous capital on the face of the earth. And while Israel has celebrated it as the capital of the modern state of Israel since 1948, bizarrely and strangely, they are the only country in the world that while it is their capital, it's not recognized by the rest of the world. In other words, the rest of the world up till President Trump had all their embassies in Tel Aviv, which is the largest city in Israel and quite frankly, not near Jerusalem. So Jerusalem, which is the seat of the prime minister of all the governmental offices of the Knesset, which is their parliament of the Supreme Court, where the country is run from, was internationally ignored until a law was passed during the Clinton administration demanding that the president of the United States recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and move the embassy of the United States from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. However, in that law, there was a waiver that could be signed by the president, whoever that was, for national security purposes only to protect the interests of the United States. And every president, several times a year since Bill Clinton, has signed that waiver. So Bill Clinton signed the waiver, ignored the law. George Bush signed the waiver, ignored the law. Barack Obama signed the waiver and ignored the law. And I was in the room when candidate Barack Obama promised that his first act in office would be to move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And he lied, as did all the previous presidents. They all made that a campaign promise and they all lied to the American people. So for the first time, we have a president that made it a campaign promise and lo and behold, Donald Trump kept his word. The Israeli people are quite uh, gratified and grateful to him. And as a result, it's taken it off the table as a negotiation um, point that the Palestinians could push back on. It's a fait accompli. The embassy is there. That means that's at least as far as the United States is concerned, international recognition. I applaud President Trump for this courageous act of decency. So would it be safe to say that after many years and many years, finally, we have a president who will not negotiate with terrorists? I, I know it's, <laughs> it's such a simplistic question that would have such an easy answer, Annie. But I, it's, it's so sad that, yeah, finally, we have somebody like that. It should have been an automatic answer for every American president. And yet... I think this is the first time we really have it. So here's another thing President Trump did. President Trump uh, defines UNRWA, uh, which I would like you, if possible, to explain to our audience what is UNRWA. But he defunded UNRWA because of the fraud that basically technically turned a 50,000 refugee into a 5 million refugee in permanent refugee camps. So if you could tell us what is UNRWA and why was it defunded and why is it important that President Trump defunded UNRWA? Yeah, it's a great question. In world history, there's never been relief for refugees from generation to generation. The United Nations um, 
has a high command program for refugees around the world uh, that are displaced during wartime. And every one of those terrible situations uh, from just despicable wars in Rwanda and Bosnia and so on are covered by the same relief agency. Bizarrely, the United Nations created a separate agency for only one people, Arabs displaced by the war of 1948 when Arab countries uh, attacked and attempted to slaughter all the Jews in the Middle East uh, that were part of the fledgling new country uh, declared by the United Nations and Israel in 1948. What's so weird is the refugees that left Israel, some by their own accord, some driven out by the war, were never allowed to resettle in the Arab countries that they went to, even though they are culturally, religiously, and ethnically the same as the populations around them in Jordan, uh, Egypt, uh, Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, and so on. Um, the United Nations created UNRWA for them alone and made it multi-generational. And studies after studies after studies have shown that this number of refugees has increased by geometric proportions over four generations now, and they are permanently in refugee camps not allowed to settle. All the Jews that were forced out of every country in the Middle East after 1948 are no longer refugees. There's not one of them. They were all resettled in Israel. They were given jobs and homes, and they built a country. The Palestinians, who are just Arabs, who identify with the geography of the Israeli uh, place on the globe, have become permanent refugees. Trump said, look, every one of these refugee camps is a ground uh, zero of terror training. The numbers have been inflated ridiculously. There's no plan, nor will there ever be, nor there ever has been a plan to settle them into permanent cultural integration anywhere. And what the Arabs have done, both inside the camps and elsewhere, and said, all these refugees are going to come back to Israel someday. That's part of the peace process, which obviously would overwhelm uh, the Jewish state uh, geographically uh, and demographically and become a Arab Muslim country, at least by population. And so it's a non-starter for Israel. Trump said enough's enough. There's so much corruption. Each one of these camps is trained nothing but terrorists. These people are not getting educated. They have no jobs. They have no economic future. I'm not giving them any more money. Merge them into the other programs and we will fund it again. That's what Trump did. First American president ever in history to do it. Well, since you just talked about him defunding yet another terrorist group or training camp, as you said it, another thing that happened was President Trump closed the PLO embassy. Now, why did he do that? Well, it's the same concept, uh, although um, on American soil, in the, the PLO, which stands for Palestine Liberation Organization, whose name tells you what their plan is. Uh, they were created in 1964. It was the earliest and most well-known terror group in the world. Their job was to blow up airliners, buses, schools, hospitals in Israel until finally the Jews were driven out. 
1993, as part of the Oslo Accords, uh, it was declared the governing authority, so to speak, of the Palestinian people, and the terror label came off. As we've talked about, they're still promoting murder and terror and bombings and so on. But the embassy in Washington was only allowed to be there as long as the Palestinians used it to promote peace. And as we know recently, they have said they will never talk to Israel as long as Netanyahu is the prime minister and they won't talk to the United States as a broker of peace as long as Trump is the president. They are refusing categorically to engage in the peace process. And at that point, Trump said, fine, you don't need an embassy in the United States anymore. Close it. And so it's being shut down. It is so amazing to see so much good changes taking place in our country and I, I wish every other country would do this but as of right now I'm just very very happy I think the more I talk to you on this these segments the more hopeful I become the more happier I'm like yes something is being done but um last question I have for you Barry uh, Nikki Haley recently said uh, Palestinian just take money and badmouth US which is very accurate I would say yes that's all they do but is that is that part of the changes that President Trump is making into the policies, is that going to change? You know, that's a great question, and I'm really glad you mentioned Nikki. Um, Nikki Haley has been an astounding breath of fresh air at the United Nations for the first time uh, in very, very long years. Uh, the United States has an ambassador after the horrific representation under the Obama administration that stands up for America at the United Nations. Uh, the Palestinians in particular do exactly what Nikki Haley called them on, which is take American money and make speeches about how horrible America is. Um, she has pointed out many times that it's not just the Palestinians, it's this entire independent block of over a hundred countries that we give aid to that vote against us on every vote and literally show the United States no respect. I see where the massive groundswell of anti-UN sentiment comes from within the United States. We fund more than any other country on a ridiculous avalanche of money that we send into that organization. And what we get back is hatred. What we get back is disrespect. And most importantly, no cooperation towards peace. Nikki's speech, when she said what the Palestinians do is take money and badmouth the United States is 100% true. And I applaud her for finally standing up for America where her predecessors did nothing similar, at least in the last eight years. Yeah, I agree. Actually, I was asked, somebody told me, a fellow Iranian told me, hey, listen, it, it doesn't matter. Even though President Trump walked away from Iran deal, the behavior is just, just, still the same. They're marching the streets and burning American flag and chanting death to America. I said, well, there is a change. Before they're used to it, they used to do it with pocketing our money. Now they do it because they're just pissed off President Trump is standing up to them. So there is a difference being made there. Exactly. Well, this was fun. Thanks for joining us today on Because You Asked. You can always write to either Annie or myself by dropping us a note at truth 
at americantruthproject.org or go to our website. You can sign up for free. We don't charge. And it gives you the opportunity to never miss one of our episodes or articles. You'll catch all the news that we think you want to hear about. Remember, we are here to bring you the truth because you can handle that truth. Thanks for joining us. I'm Barry Newsbaum. Thanks for listening to the American Truth Project, a 501c3 nonprofit. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our social media channels to stay plugged in to the truth. Go to americantruthproject.org and subscribe to our newsletter to stay informed on the latest news.